On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Tire Rack's new Model Y listings reveal some new information about the newest Tesla's tire sizes. Hopes for an air suspension option on the Model 3 are renewed and then almost immediately dashed by Elon Musk. Tesla takes advantage of its all-time high stock price to raise some money and more. What's happening, friends? Ryan McCaffrey with you for episode 237 of Ride the Lightning, the weekly Tesla unofficial podcast. This one for February 16th, 2020. Daisy the Boxer Puppy chilling to my left on the couch. And uh, remember last week when I said I should be all better by next week, meaning now? Well, those were famous last words. I shouldn't have said that. Because guess what? Now I have the flu. Influenza A thanks to a confirmed test. They did a little cotton swab up my nose when I went to the doctor and they put it into some cool machine. And it's, it indeed confirms influenza A. So I've been out of work the last few days, uh, both I could barely move the last two. Thankfully, at least today, I'm up and about a little bit, but still resting at home. Uh, and of course, don't want to uh, endanger my coworkers at all or anybody else. I've even been wearing a mask around the house to try and protect my family. But Boy, it is. Uh, I've I've had a little bit of a rough go of it lately. It was a cold, and then that cold kind of roared back, and then I think it sort of might have been a light sinus infection after that because I felt pretty good, but still had some uh, some sinus congestion. And now, influenza A, the flu. My goodness. So, uh, hey, the show must go on. I'm here. If I uh, if I accidentally cough once or twice during the show, please forgive me. But, uh, boy. I'm I'm really hoping that this is the last of it for a while, but anyway, uh, I am traveling all next week, so that's another reason why I'm hoping that I'm going to feel better, but as far as this podcast goes, you will never know it. No interruption in uh, in the podcast or the schedule is planned, other than I might need to record on Thursday night for next week, uh, or possibly Friday morning while I'm on the road, rather than the usual Friday night. So uh, if indeed that happens and I end up missing a big story, as always, I'll just catch it on uh, on the next episode. Uh, real quick before I get started with the news, a quick follow-up on the battery warranty updates that I talked about last week, and this comes courtesy of listener Patrick Wiggins, and uh, after it comes after a conversation that he had with Tesla support. So those changes to the battery warranties apply only to vehicles ordered after, not delivered after, not just, it's ordered after January 29th of this year. So considering that probably no one that ordered on January 30th or later has taken delivery quite yet, probably not at this point, uh, that probably means if you already have your Tesla in your possession, then you've got the previous unlimited mile warranties, depending on which car you have, obviously SRX. So thank you, Patrick, for that. That is a good clarifying point. And now let's move forward with the week's Tesla news, starting with the Model Y. I suspect we're going to be hearing quite a lot more uh, Model Y. I think it's probably going to dominate the news section of this podcast for uh, the, quite quite a bit for the near future. 
starting this week with the tire sizes that have arrived courtesy of Tire Rack. If you've not used them, they're a major online uh, reseller of tires. I use them, I used to use them all the time for my DeLorean. Uh, and then I guess, I guess I use them for my infinity too. And I have been, haven't used them for the Tesla, but, uh, nevertheless, they've carry almost everything. They've got all kinds of stuff and the model Y tire sizes have been posted by them. Now, a quick caveat, this, since, uh, since this is tire rack saying this and not Tesla, got to just hang that little asterisk on there to say, uh, this, we can't say this is a hundred percent accurate, but these are probably right because Tire Rack probably got them from Tesla. I doubt Tire Rack is just making things up. Uh, they are a reputable reseller after all. Anyway, on with the tire sizes. For the long-range Model Y, there is a 19-inch and a 20-inch option, the 19-inch being a 255-45 uh, tire, and then the 20, also a 255 and, a, and, a, uh, and then a 40. Meanwhile, on the performance, you've got, uh, in, in the smaller size, the 19, you've got the, meaning without the performance upgrade package, 255, 45, and uh, same as the 19 on the, on the standard, uh, obviously, because they're the same tire. And then on the, if you do get the performance upgrade package, that's where you get the Uber Turbine 21-inch wheel. And so that is a staggered setup. In the front, 21-inch, 255-35, and in the rear, 275-35, so a wider tire in the back. So what's interesting about this to me, two things. First, these are slightly different tire sizes than the Model 3. I thought they were going to be exactly the same tires and wheels. I mean, the fact that the blue alpha prototype that Tesla showed at the unveiling uh, about, what, 11 months ago, in fact, 11 months ago to the day as I record this, that vehicle had the 20-inch sport wheels from the Model 3 on it had seemed to kind of back up that assertion that the Y would would have uh, the same tires and wheels because, of course, we also knew that... and still know that the 75% of the parts are shared between the three and the Y, but the tires and wheels are in fact not among them. Uh, the Model 3, if you if you don't recall off the top of your head, and that's quite all right, I had to go check myself, the Model 3 has 235 40s on it for the 19s, and if you have the 20-inch performance, uh, the sport wheels, you've got 235 35s for your tires. So the Model Y's tires are a bit bigger. And then, of course, uh, the second point I wanted to make is, again, if you opt for that performance upgrade package to get those 21-inch Uber turbines, they are, as I've just mentioned, staggered tires. It's not unheard of in the world of Tesla to have staggered tires. The Model X uses a staggered setup. And on the Model S... They did a while ago. They don't anymore, but the S used to have uh, a staggered setup on the PD5 Plus used it, and then the early PD5Ds had a staggered setup as well. And then uh, if tire rack is accurate, it looks like the 21-inch Uber Turbine wheels will come factory equipped with Pirelli P0 tires, whereas the uh, 20-inch Model 3 performance package 
comes standard with Michelin Pilot Sport 4S tires. So a different. I'll be curious to see how the tire wear on that compares to the uh, to the Michelin Pilot Sport 4, uh, 4S that I've got on my car, which, as I've told you, is you know fifteen thousand on the on the low end to you know maybe if you're lucky twenty thousand miles, but probably just somewhere in between there. So we'll have to see once the Model Ys start getting out into the wild and start getting driven, how many uh, miles those Pirelli P0 tires last on those 21-inch Uber Turbine wheels. Next this week, a bit of a strange story. Uh, I, I bring it up because this does come up from time to time, and even though this this kind of came and went very quickly this week, I didn't want to mention it anyway. So evidence, actual like legitimate evidence turned up this week that the Model 3, and by extension, you could presume the Model Y as well, again, given the, the similarities between the two vehicles, would soon be getting that long, long-awaited air suspension option. But, alas, it is not to be. So, multiple news outlets cited the, and I want to emphasize this, the publicly available official Tesla Model 3 parts catalog, which you can access online. It had a listing in it, in the electrical section, for a front wiring harness assembly for the air suspension that was marked with AWD, so it would would have only been on the all-wheel drive versions of the car, which which would make sense had it been uh, in there, gone into production, I should say. So it was right there in black and white. However, Elon took to Twitter in response to this and very definitively said, quote, this is incorrect. No air suspension is planned for the three or Y, only SX and Cybertruck have slash will have air suspension, end quote. So that is a pretty definitive rebuttal on Elon's part. And so with the way he phrased that, I really don't think he's trying to cover for any sort of like upcoming new feature that they weren't ready to reveal yet. In fact, I went and checked myself uh, a, a couple, I guess it was a, a day later, a day after this story broke when I was preparing my notes for this week's podcast. I went and checked for myself, and sure enough, that entry in the parts catalog had been removed. So I suspect it was probably very quickly removed by somebody at Tesla after Elon refuted this. First of all, on this, it does make sense that the 3 and the Y won't have an air suspension. Would it be nice? Definitely. Definitely it would be nice. I personally, I badly wanted that air suspension because of my weird driveway. Uh, I ended up having to modify the driveway itself so I could, you know, get the car in without scraping it. It all's well that ends well, I guess. And Elon had also originally said that it would happen. In fact, it was in response to me on Twitter back in 2017. But fast forward to 2020, and it makes sense that there's really just no reason, no good reason, to add complexity to the manufacturing process on the high-volume Model 3 and the high-volume Model Y, particularly when Tesla's selling every single one that they can make right now without air suspension. 
So therefore, I just feel like it wouldn't really benefit the mission at this point to introduce another another bit of complexity into the production line. Now, second, as to where this parts catalog entry came from, I have to wonder if it's just been there this whole time when it clearly was planned for at some point and was just a leftover entry that didn't get scrubbed until this week. I mean, I know some of you out there, particularly Model Y buyers, are, are going to be especially disappointed by this, but uh, this is now definitively one feature that, that separates the X and the Y is, is that air suspension. So there it is. That's really uh, not that I was personally holding out any hope that the air suspension was going to come back around for the three or for the Y. Uh, but that should pretty well put it to bed for the currently foreseeable future. Let's say it's not, I won't rule it out forever. Right. You know, never, never say never at some point along the way, Tesla. I mean, th this is a company that's known for tweaking their cars and making updates and upgrades and changing things along the way without uh, succumbing to the usual model year turnover, the usual, you know, wait for a new model year. So it could happen, but I think for the foreseeable future, it's very clearly not going to be uh, happening. Next this week, Elon Musk will hold a company talk in April. So in about two months or so from right now, and he will do it from Gigafactory 2 in Buffalo. Elon taking to Twitter to say, quote, Tesla's April company talk will be from our Giga New York factory, where we make solar glass and several other products. We'll also offer customer and media tours, end quote. Well, if you're not aware, Elon does do a company talk at least once every year. It may even be quarterly. I'm not sure. I, th I think it might be annual, but I'm just not positive. So uh, it's broadcast on a private channel that's accessible to Tesla employees, basically on their intranet uh, for any employees that can't be there in person. And obviously at this point, with over 40,000 employees around the world, not everybody can be in Fremont. Although, as a side note, just to give you a quick illustration of how much Tesla has grown and how quickly they have grown, in the early Model S days, and this comes uh, according to a friend of mine who worked at Tesla in the earlier days, in the early Model S days, these company talks would happen back then in one of the many, many, many empty available areas of the Tesla factory in Fremont. And in fact, everyone could fit in the same room. They would have it all just in one room. No need to broadcast it out over an intranet feed to anywhere else. So again, just to kind of illustrate how far Tesla has come, it's pretty amazing. So anyway, uh, this company talk will be in Buffalo, and clearly the focus will be on the solar glass roof tiles and the ramping up of production on those. I suspect that Elon very, very much wants to show the progress there, as evidenced by the media tours and customer tours that they plan to offer. So they want to show and not just tell. Now, this talk almost certainly won't entirely be about the energy side of the business. I would expect plenty of Model Y talk as well, 
and maybe even something on the semi-truck, if I had to guess. I mean, that's just me guessing. I don't have any inside information there or anything like that. But uh, the one thing I can fairly definitively say, though, is don't expect this talk to be released publicly. At least, you know, things could change, but uh, uh, in previous years, these have always been for employees' ears only. Uh, although, of course, if if any interesting word sneaks out from a, from a source here or there that's uh, that's worthy of passing along, I will certainly let you know. But yeah, these are these are just uh, just for the employees. And just to sort of give a state on where, uh, a status update, I should say, on where everything is. And the final story I've got for you queued up this week. Tesla has issued an offering of common stock this week. And that offering has raised $2 billion for the company. Per Tesla's own press release here, I'm just reading a little part of it. Elon Musk, Tesla's CEO, will participate by purchasing up to $10 million of common stock in this offering. In addition, Larry Ellison, a member of Tesla's board of directors, will purchase up to a million dollars of common stock. The aggregate gross proceeds of the offering, assuming full exercise by the underwriters of their option to purchase additional securities, would be approximately $2.3 billion before discounts and expenses. Tesla intends to use the net proceeds from the offering to further strengthen its balance sheet as well as for general corporate purposes. Well, the general corporate purposes there, I feel like, is pretty much wide open to interpretation. I'm not quite sure what that will mean. Is that going to mean acquisitions? Now, granted, yes, I know on the earnings call we just had, what, three weeks ago, Elon was very clearly asked by an, by an analyst, are you looking at anybody else to acquire? And Elon said no. So maybe not that, but, but you get what I'm trying to say. Like general corporate purposes could mean anything. It could mean acquisitions. It could mean uh, a, the Gigafactory in Texas. It could mean anything. There's a, there's a lot. It could mean raises for everyone. It could mean I don't know. That's uh, there's, that seems like there's uh, plenty of plenty of possibility there. But anyway, um, despite the fact that Elon had very recently said that they didn't need to do a capital raise, they have obviously decided to go ahead and leverage their new all-time high stock price in order to generate some extra cash. And you know what? Why not? It's I think it's good because it further strengthens the company's balance sheet. They are operating from a clear position of strength, which is something that we've been waiting to be able to say and waiting to see for a long, long time. You know, Tesla is a company that we've been rooting for for a long, long time, and we've been watching them scratch and claw and fight to survive for years now. And so to be able to see them really sit and, uh, and leverage a strength and, and, you know, further solidify their, uh, their coffers is definitely a good thing. So I say go Tesla. This is great to see. And I cannot wait to see what the future holds with this uh, little extra lining of cash security in their pockets. All right, that's everything I've got for you on the news side for this week, but stick with me. I've got a whole bunch of your 
excellent phone calls coming up in the Ride the Lightning hotline. And then after that, stay tuned because I got my Hardware 3 upgrade done in my car, and it was uh, it was a bit of an adventure. It was It's definitely worth sticking around to hear my story on that because it was... It was not really a straightforward situation. Uh, all's well. It, it ended well, so all's well that ended well, but uh, hang out for that. But first, the Ride the Lightning hotline right after this. All right, it is Ride the Lightning Hotline time. Your questions, your comments, your discussion topics as they pertain to all things Tesla. I invite you to call in anytime you like. You can do so in one of two easy ways. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software to record your question. Please try to keep it to a minute and a half or less, 90 seconds or less. And you can send that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com or you can call in with that same 90 second or less question comment or discussion topic and leave a message on the ride the lightning hotline itself it's a toll-free number that you can call up anytime day or night and that number is 1-888-989-8752 again that's 1-888-989-8752 T-S-L-A. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they are special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. Let me kick it off with Jeremy from New Zealand, who has what I think is a pretty good feature suggestion. Go ahead, Jeremy. Hey Ryan, it's Jeremy from Christchurch, New Zealand. I was just uh, working through one of the recent software updates I had, and uh, it was one of the ones with uh, the save the dash cam on honk feature. And uh, I know you have a few Tesla employees that listen to your show, and something that crossed my mind that would be even more useful than save on honk would be a function whereby when you apply the brakes above a certain threshold, for example, in an emergency braking scenario, I know it has the function where it flashes the rear brake lights and uh, it would be a good feature to be able to have that so that when that threshold is triggered, that automatically saves the dash cam footage as well. Um, I'm not somebody that normally toots at people if things go wrong, so that uh, save on toot wouldn't really be particularly useful for me but if I do slam on the brakes uh, in an emergency situation it'd be really handy to know that that's going to automatically save that dash cam footage for me anyway love the show keep up the great work and uh, yeah looking forward to the next one Jeremy I think that is an absolutely fantastic idea and I would love to see Tesla implement that yesterday Seriously, that's one of my favorite feature suggestions that I've heard on this podcast, and I've heard a lot of great ones from you guys. That one's really good, and I think it's really good for the very same reasons that Save on Honk is a good idea as well. So, Jeremy, thank you very much for calling in with this. Let's hope that that finds its way to the ears of uh, somebody inside the walls at Tesla who can fire that onto the, uh, the the feature roadmap for the software team. Let me go now to Sarah in Cleveland. Sarah, welcome to the show. Hi, Ryan. This is Sarah from the Cleveland, Ohio area, and I'm calling actually with two questions, if you don't mind. Um, the first one, I was just listening to episode 236, and you mentioned 
um, about your battery breathers and, you know, your VIN model being within that certain range. Where does everybody get their information? Um, I usually end up going on Reddit and Googling things, but I have no idea where to actually find information such as what you mentioned previously. Um, and my second question is, unfortunately, um, I don't have a very long commute to work, but I do love to drive, which is why I have my Model 3. Um, what I do actually every night is I charge it to the minimum amount of charge that you can do. You can only move the line to the left so far, so that's what I do, thinking that may have a better longevity, I suppose, for um, my car. So I was wondering what your thoughts are on that. Um, and then finally, thank you so much for your enthusiasm and your effort to our growing EV community. Um, and tell Daisy hello from me. Thank you so much. Bye. Hi, Sarah. Thank you very much for your call. So let me address your second question first. As long as you're charging to somewhere in that 50 to 90% daily range that Tesla recommends right in the in-car software, as you were referring to, then you're good. I think you're going to want to save the above 90% charging for trips and also try not to leave it below 20%. So you're totally good charging to 50%. Maybe you want to do 60 just so that it's staying in that 50 to 90 sweet spot. But you're good at 52, no worries. And to your question about where I found out about the updates for my car, uh, as you can probably tell if you've been listening to this podcast uh, for a little while, I'm kind of something of a maniac with Tesla stuff and that I read just about everything that I can get my eyes on on a day-to-day -day and week-to-week -week basis. Maybe it's not that healthy, but I do it. It, it, it makes me happy, what can I say? But uh, more specifically, how I learned about the battery breathers specifically was after I started hearing the loud clunking sound on my uh, Arizona trip last year, which was the first time I had done it, the first holiday I'd had the car, the first winter, that I'd had the car. So it was really the first uh, real, you know, somewhat cold temperatures as I was traveling through the mountains between uh, San Francisco and the Phoenix area and heard the clunking and I was, you know, a little worried, but the car kept rolling. So I just filed it away and then I Googled it later. Uh, and when I Googled it, I found multiple Reddit threads, Tesla forum threads, Tesla Motors Club forum threads about it. And while uh, reading all of that information, I found the service bulletin about it. And then when I read the service bulletin, that's how I learned that my VIN was in the affected range of cars. So that's a real long-winded way of telling you how I found out about that. Uh, I put off the battery breather installation for quite a while, but now that it's back to the winter time and the clunking has been more prevalent, it finally annoyed me to the point where I wanted to go ahead and take action. And I honestly just lucked out that I was able to get my hardware three upgrade done at the same time because I, it turned out that my VIN had been flagged as ready to, to have the upgrade done. And then I also had uh, another unexpected update that I, in fact, this one I didn't know about. So see, I'm, <laughs> I may be a maniac, but I'm not a, I'm not a perfect maniac. I had the uh, charge port 
updated on my car as well. That had affected my VIN range also. So, uh, Sarah, I hope that thoroughly answers your questions. Thanks very much for your call. Let me go to Andres in Norway. Go ahead, Andres. Hey, Ryan. It's Andres in Norway. We're just thinking and talking about uh, the competitors of Tesla because everybody says they're bad. Well, they're actually not. I mean, take Jag. That's a great car. Uh, it's almost more fun than a Model 3 to drive because it doesn't have the range and it does, certainly doesn't have the have the energy efficiency. And the uh, the Mercedes EQC is the most quiet, comfortable car you can ever imagine driving. Uh, and the Kia Hyundai, like the Kona and the Enero, they have, in some circumstances, better range than my Model 3 long range. And they cost about the same time, sometimes even less, much less. So, you know, they all do great things. Some of them do wonderful things better than Tesla does. But um, so why then do you buy a Tesla? Well, because of the charging network, of course. And because and there's something about the car that just updates itself and gets better over time. It's a very peculiar experience. And, of course, they have the, the whole company. I mean, it just does things that no one else does. So, uh, love my Moultrie. Keep up the good work. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you very much for your perspective here, Andres. I am rooting for all of these other electric cars, honestly, because even if you're a Tesla fan who only wants to see Tesla win, and I'm using that with air quotes, the other manufacturers coming up with good cars will lead to increased sales for Tesla, too. Because if that happens, that means electric vehicles will be normalized for more and more people, and assuming Tesla can maintain the pretty large competitive advantage that they have right now in both efficiency and software, among other things, it will only serve to drive more folks over to the Tesla brand. Uh, it was really cool, like I talked about last week, to see all of those electric car ads on the Super Bowl. I mean, that is the biggest TV event in the United States every single year. And as I mentioned last week, I think there were about as many electric car ads as there were ICE ads. In fact, I had to go back. Uh, I was I was corrected by a couple of uh, keen-eyed and eared listeners. It was exactly 50-50 for each, four EV ads, for ICE ads because I managed to forget one. I don't know how this didn't make it into my notes because I was watching the Super Bowl live and I saw the commercial, but I left out the Ford Mach-E ad starring Idris Elba. So it was four EV ads, four internal combustion car ads, and that is great to see. So uh, thank you very much for your call. Let me go to Pete from Carmel is uh, up next, wants to talk about some journalism. Thankfully, not mine in this case. Pete, go ahead. Hey, Ryan, this is Pete from Carmel. Just wanted to bring your attention to an article in the Wall Street Journal that was published today. And the article essentially is a uh, summary of some testing, supposedly, that was done by eight different journalists at Wall Street Journal in various locations around the world, including Germany, China, the United States, 
And basically what they did is they each transitioned to the use of an electric vehicle in their location and then sort of documented their experience. And this is a bit of a venting session for me, but it was a terribly done article. And, um, you know, once again, sowed doubt in people's minds about the feasibility of owning an EV. Um, They were using less than spectacular EVs, in my opinion, and they were also using, uh, you know, poorly available charging networks that were slow. Um, They did talk about Tesla about 15 minutes into the video, um, but it was very de-emphasized, and it's clear that Tesla wasn't one of the um, car companies that donated a car for them to test. They had to rent a Tesla. So, (laughs) and I do think the Wall Street Journal in general, very anti-Tesla. So it's frustrating. I just wanted to, you know, rant about it a little bit. Um, Your listenership might be interested in in checking it out, uh, maybe commenting about it um, to sort of uh, correct some of the misconceptions. So thanks and, and have a great day. Continue what you're doing. Well, Pete, as far as I'm concerned, you hit the nail on the head. The Wall Street Journal, unfortunately, has a pretty long track record of writing negative things about Tesla. And it's a shame because they're one of the oldest journalistic institutions in this country, and you expect better of them. I certainly do. In fact, strangely, two of the other most clearly anti-Tesla reporters who cover Tesla do so for two of our proudest journalistic institutions, Neil Boudet at the New York Times and Russ Mitchell of the Los Angeles Times. Those two do not even try to hide it. They do not like Tesla. It just runs completely counter to what those publications are supposed to stand for, particularly in this day and age of clickbait headlines and slanted views. So, as always, the, the, the uh, suggestion is vote with your wallet slash vote with your feet. Don't go to those sites if you don't agree with how they're conducting their business. It's really as simple as that. But Pete, I share your frustration. I really do. Kenny from Newport News is up next. I always love to hear from Kenny. Go ahead, Kenny. Hey, Ryan, what's going on? It's Kenny from Newport News, Virginia. Man, I tell you what, this has been a great weekend. I'm calling you as I'm just arriving to the Tesla Center in Richmond, Virginia. I came up here this weekend and the they were nice enough to offer me a Model S to take home for the weekend. And man, I'm blown away. This car is truly remarkable. Everything I expected out of it and more. I don't currently own a Tesla, but I have been wanting to get into one for a while. And man, I tell you what, this is putting me really over the edge with this experience. So... One thing I really did want to note, though, the car is blown my mind in every way I could imagine. Uh, the only thing, though, that as I listened to your podcast on the way up here this morning that kind of caught me was during the quarterly earnings call, Elon mentioned something about full self-driving. And this is something I've been kind of paying attention to for a while. And now after driving the car, the autopilot in my opinion, does work great. And maybe it's just because I'm a new user, I don't get it completely. But 
at the same time, though, I just don't see that autopilot is ready to roll out for for full self-driving to an entire fleet anytime soon. I mean, there was quite a few instances with driving the car this weekend that the car really just kind of got confused when it came to driving itself, specifically in intersections. That was where I saw the majority of the issue. So anyway, I just wanted to kind of note that and talk about my experience. Thanks for doing the podcast, man. Listening every week. I love it. Uh, I really appreciate what you're doing here. All right. Thanks. Kenny, thank you, as always, for your great calls. I really appreciate your perspective as someone who's following everything going on in the Tesla world, but is new to the in-car part of the experience. And you're right, there is a big leap from freeway navigate on autopilot to city streets navigate on autopilot. What I would say in autopilot's defense is that as you get more time with it, which I know you you said you haven't had a ton of time with it yet, that you learn the limitations of it. Basically, you start to get to know what it's really good at and what it's not really good at. And when you feel comfortable with both sides of that equation, it really starts to be even more beneficial to you as a driver, at least in my experience. That said... You are absolutely right about city full self-driving. It is a much, much taller hill to climb for Tesla. Even uh, Elon has said how high-speed autopilot is doable, super low-speed autopilot is doable, meaning smart summon, but it's the in-between that's really tough. Uh, One thing, though, Kenny... You did mention that autopilot, you said autopilot got confused on you in a lot of intersections. Just a quick note, you probably already know this, but just to make sure uh, that I'm making this clear to everybody, autopilot is not currently designed to handle intersections yet, uh, even necessarily passing through them in a straight line. So just not saying don't do, I'm just saying be careful out there. That's all. Be careful out there. Jim from Placerville, California, wanted to react to something from the earnings call recently. Go ahead, Jim. Hi, Ryan. Jim from Placerville, California here. I'm calling about something you said in the Q4 earnings call episode. The question that I asked through Say.com was the following. Will you release the Tesla ride-hailing network slash app before full autonomy? If so, when will this happen? Might want to target California airports first, also a good place to add superchargers. Now, unfortunately, Martin read it too fast and left out a few key parts. First, he left out the when will this happen question and the suggestion immediately following it. I was suggesting that it would be smart to target California airports first for the Tesla network. A lot of Uber slash Lyft drivers get most of their fares picking up people at the airport. I would drive for Tesla at the Sacramento airport tomorrow if they enabled it. I could do it with my Model 3 for Uber Lyft right now, but I really don't want to make money for Uber and Lyft. Anyway, at most airports there is a waiting area for Uber Lyft drivers. I was suggesting that this would be a good place for superchargers. Now that you know the context, does my suggestion make any more sense? Jim, thank you for that call. And hey, nice job getting your question upvoted enough to make it onto the earnings call. Uh, And yes, that makes a lot more sense to me now. Thank you very much for that follow-up. I completely see your point, and I agree that yes, 
putting a few superchargers at airports to specifically service and encourage drivers in the ride-sharing Tesla network would make a lot of sense. As I think I said on that earnings call episode, or at some point in the the, uh, not-too-distant past, I'm telling you, I would quit using Uber and Lyft tomorrow if the Tesla network came online. So that day will come. Now, whether, and and I'd say that whether or not there's a human driver in the front seat. Objectively speaking, I am safer in a Tesla. Uh, You know, if I'm not going to be in my own Tesla, I'm safer in another Tesla than I would be in any other gas car. And subjectively speaking, I'm more comfortable in a Tesla. I feel good being in a Tesla. I think I'd find it comfortable. I'd rather be with a Tesla owner and talk, maybe talking a little Tesla on the ride. So that's me. That's where I sit with it. Thank you again, Jim. Brian from Pennsylvania is up next, also reacting to the earnings call. Go ahead, Brian. Hey, Ryan, Brian from Wallopin, Pennsylvania. So on the earnings call, Elon talked about batteries and the delay of the semi because of batteries seems like battery production batteries is the big hang-up right now my question is why is it because they don't have the lithium or because they don't have the manufacturing to make more and either way what's the solution what's going to happen if there's not enough lithium out there like I've heard it, there's plenty of lithium it's just a matter of getting it so if there's supply issues for lithium what are they doing to fix it? Then if it's manufacturing, like factories, what are they doing to fix it? Because I don't recall hearing anything either way on that. We just keep hearing more about building gigafactory in Germany, gigafactory in Shanghai, to build more cars. But what are we doing to build more batteries? Thanks again. Good question, Brian. I don't know for sure, but I think it's both. Elon has been spotted going around to various lithium-rich areas around the world. I think the most recent one I seem to remember hearing about was Chile, I think. But yeah, also the manufacturing, just like with the cars. You have so many production lines and so much production capacity at so many gigafactories, currently two that are dedicated to car battery production. So that's probably why you heard Elon teasing a Giga Texas on last week's podcast. More of everything is needed. Thanks, as always, for your call. Let me go to Najem from Miami, who's up next. Go ahead, Najem. Hey, what's up, Ryan? This is Najem calling from Miami. Two quick questions I want to throw at you. I'll try to keep it brief. Uh, So uh, the first question I have is, do you think that Tesla or any other major manufacturer will be focused on making an electric vehicle at the cost point of 20000 or less in the foreseeable future? I know Tesla is not looking into anything like that right now. And the reason I ask that is because when I see the Model 3 and I spec it out online, it comes out to between forty and 50000 And when I see 40000 to be completely honest, my mind automatically thinks, well, for 40000 I could actually get two really nice cars from another manufacturer for that price. One for myself, one for my family, something like that. 
but so it's a hard it's a hard pill to swallow to be completely honest with you at that price point secondly do you think that the future of electric vehicles is every manufacturer has their own charging station right now if you buy a toyota and you go to a gas station you're not going to a toyota gas station you're just going to a gas station do you think that there will be any sort of government regulations where electric vehicle charging stations have to be opened up to all electric vehicles I could see that happening, but I'm not sure. I don't know anything about that topic. That's just my thought. Do you think that the government could ever tell Tesla to open up their charging stations to other vehicle manufacturers? Let me know what you think. Thank you for everything that you do. I'm a big fan. Take it easy. Excellent call here, Najem. So let's start at the top. I agree with you that the Model 3 at $40,000 is still a lot of money. The cost of the batteries is the biggest factor in that cost, and Tesla is nevertheless still by far the leader in cost per kilowatt hour because they have their own battery factories and they've vertically integrated most of the process. $40,000 is still a lot, but in Tesla's defense, if you pull back a little bit and take a look at that 10,000-foot view that I'm always going on about, you can see that in 2016, the cheapest Tesla was $70,000. That was the base Model S. Fast forward a year to 2017, the cheapest model, uh, the cheapest Tesla was the $50,000 long-range rear-wheel drive Model 3, as that had just come out. And then you fast forward again to 2019, and they got it down to $40,000 with the standard range plus Model 3. Yes, technically... There's the $35,000 standard range, but you can't really buy it. You have to buy the standard range plus and then get a rebate and get the soft, some software locks put in. So anyway, just for the sake of argument, so from, from 70 to 50 to 40. So they are making progress. That's the good news. I have to say, I just don't see anyone, uh, Tesla or otherwise, hitting $20,000 on a price point anytime soon, because really a good electric vehicle just can't be made at that price yet. At least not one with any with with the amount of range that anyone would be happy with. As a point of comparison, the Fiat 500e, which is a compliance car sold only in California and in Oregon, is thirty three thousand dollars. It's a little, you know, tiny city car, and it has a range for that $33,000 of 84 miles. No, you did not hear me incorrectly. I didn't say 184. I said 84. So that's that kind of gives you an idea of where things are at uh, industry-wide. So it's a process. I think Tesla will get there in time. As for your very good, very valid question about charging stations, the good news is that adapters will solve the problem if every manufacturer ends up going with a different charging standard. I mean, we already have seen that with adapters. But the good news is a lot of EVs support CCS, and Tesla does have an adapter to be able to use CCS chargers. So, I think government intervention probably won't be necessary, at least in my humble opinion, because adapters, I think, will solve most, if not all, of the compatibility issues that would arise in this glorious, industry-wide, 
you know, common EVs are common everywhere future that we are uh, all hoping for. Let's see here. I've got uh, two more calls for you this week. Let me go first to Brett from Los Alamitos, California. You're on the air, Brett. Hey, Ryan. This is Brett from Los Alamitos, California. I have a Model 3 for about a year and a half now. And just like every car I've ever owned, when it's cold and I turn on the heater, I have to endure cold air being blown at me at full speed until it finally warms up. And that's kind of a gradual process. And I don't know much about how heaters work in gas-powered cars or in electric cars, but I was wondering if there was a way to uh, actually delay the air being blown when the heater is turned on for a minute or so, or if that air passing through the vents is somehow required for the car to be heated. It seems to me that on a cold day, delaying the airflow by a minute or so would be reasonable uh, until the air is actually able to be heated. Anyway, let me know uh, what you think. Thanks. Bye. This is an excellent question, Brad, and I will confess, I have no idea. So in true who wants to be a millionaire style, I'm going to use my ask the audience on this one because I am sure that we've got some engineers or scientists out there who can educate the both of us on this. So if you can help, please call in or email me if you know the physics behind this one. Thank you in advance. Our final caller this week is Chris from Florida uh, calling in about his Hardware 3 upgrade experience. Go ahead, Chris. Hey, Ryan. This is Chris from Florida. Uh, I'm just listening to your uh, episode 236 about you going in for your Hardware 3 upgrade. And I did want to pass along a quick tip to you and to everyone else that's going to be doing this over the next few months. I got mine done about a month ago, and it's great. But um, in the Model 3, different from the SNX, when you go in for this chip, um, when you get your car back, besides still seeing your mileage, everything you've done on that car on the computer will be wiped. Uh, so your profiles, your seat configurations, um, anything you've saved in navigation, uh, even your total watt hours per mile, everything will be starting from fresh. Even your keys will need to be set up again for your for your phone. So just a quick tip, if you want to um, take note of that information, if you want to mark down seat uh, locations and, and anything like that before going in, um, that was that would be advisable. That's for the Model 3 only. I also have a Model X that I had uh, the FSD chip swapped out as well, and everything else saved on there. So uh, just there must be some sort of uh, memory difference with those. But did want to pass that along to you and everyone else because it is awesome but just something to be forewarned about. All right, great. Love the show. Uh, Keep doing what you're doing. Thanks. This is a really good suggestion, Chris. Thank you very much. Uh, The one thing I really hoped wouldn't happen is to have my Slacker music data reset because at this point, after over a year and a half of ownership, I've really curated a nice Ryan radio station in my car, and I would hate to lose that. Thankfully, since that's slacker side and not stored locally in the car, it was preserved. But yes, taking note of any nav data, lifetime efficiency data, or favorite destinations is definitely a good suggestion for any Model 3 owners on Hardware 2.5 who will be getting the upgrade. Uh, Thank you as well to Antonio from Canal Tesla Brazil, 
who called in with this exact same uh, good tip this week. So thanks to both of you there, and thanks to all of you for calling in. Again, I welcome your calls. Give me a ring anytime from one of the two uh, easy ways to call in that I mentioned at the top of the segment. And stick with me. I'll tell you about my Hardware 3 upgrade experience, along with some final parting thoughts for you and the pro tip of the week right after this. Oh my goodness, did I miss my Model 3. I have to tell you, with all sincerity, I try to always remind myself how lucky I am to own this car. I mean, it's really a wonderful privilege, but it just becomes especially evident how much of a wonderful privilege it is when I have to drive any other car. But the Hardware 3 upgrade is done along with my battery breathers, And my VIN also had a charge port pin replacement flagged on it too, as you may have heard me mention to one of the callers earlier. So they swapped the charging port as well, and they adjusted the aim on my headlights. And delightfully, I have to say, uh, despite the very sound warnings of the, the last caller there, I, even though I was braced to lose all of my my data, my trip meters, my navigation stuff, my home link, I did not lose anything. Nothing was reset on my car, with the only exceptions being I had to repair my phone to the car uh, when I got it back, and then I had to uh, repair my home Wi-Fi onto it as well. But that was it. Everything else was fine. Everything else was still there, all good. My driver profile all my slacker songs, all my nav, everything. Everything was all good. And then I went in, of course, and I turned on, you have to enable the full self-driving visualization preview. So of course I did that. And it's neat. It's really cool to see. It's seeing all the stop signs and then the the stop lights and it knows whether they're red or green and it displays that on the screen and arrow, arrow markings in the lanes on the road. So it's really neat to see what it sees. Uh, so really enjoying that so far. And then uh, another thing I have to mention as well, on Hardware 3, my backup camera is more instantly responsive now. I use mine a lot when I'm in traffic. I like to turn it on to just make sure that nobody's getting like right on my bumper because I hate that. And if somebody does that to me, I'll use, I'll try to nudge forward a little bit to create a little bit of space because if somebody rear ends that person, they're going to, then the person behind me that's on my bumper is going to just come, going to get pushed into me. And I don't want that. So I, uh, I do use my backup camera a lot when I'm in traffic and uh, on my old hardware 2.5 computer, it would, uh, it would often, there'd be like just like a second and sometimes up to like three or four seconds, but there'd just be a short little hesitation usually before the backup camera would actually pop up. But now on Hardware 3, it comes up instantly every single time so far. So that's really, really cool to see. Now, as to my upgrade experience itself, it was quite an interesting adventure you know, as I think I told you last week, they had said when I dropped it off that it might take up to a week. And I dropped it off on Thursday afternoon, and they said, we're 
planning to have it back to you by the end of the day, the following Friday. So uh, that's what I was braced for. Uh, I ended up getting the call on Wednesday, mid to late morning that it was ready. Uh, or excuse me, Thursday, pardon me. Not uh, So still a week, which worked out to about really about four and a half business days is how long they had the car for. But uh, when I when I got it back or when I went to get it back, it was, uh, it was a little bit of a comedic exercise because, you know, I, I talked to my service advisor and he's very super nice. And he's like, okay, you know, we're all set. Any questions? Like, Oh no, I think I'm all good. And I go to get in the, and I get in the car or I actually, I, I open the door and there's an error message. There's a warning message that's popped onto the screen and it's, about the 12 volt battery. It says it says the 12 volt battery needs servicing. So <laughs> replace it soon. I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. 12 volt battery requires service. Replace 12 volt battery soon is exactly what it says. So that's, you know, the 12 volt battery, if you're not familiar, it is, you know, more of like a traditional car battery and it powers all the accessories in the car, things like headlights, etc. So you, we, even though we have giant battery packs in the in the floors of our cars they still have a, a traditional 12 volt pack a 12 volt battery rather but anyway uh so that popped up so you know i i turned right around and flagged my my sales uh, excuse me service advisor had had just had he was still walking away from me and i said wait excuse me and showed that to him and uh he took it back and they replaced my 12 volt battery and to their credit they did it right on the spot they did not say, you know, sorry, we've, you know, we're booked. We got to schedule you back another time. They took care of it right then and there. And he said after, you know, he brought it back and the text fixed it. He, he thought that the hardware three upgrade process might've, might've taxed it because it, you know, it sits for a while trying to do the firmware updates. So, uh, whether or not that's actually the case, I'm not sure, but in any case, it was. I'm just glad that it happened while I was still there, before I'd actually left the service center. So that was nice. And then get this. So that gets done. So then I get in the car again, and I'm getting ready to leave. And I go to open my glove box to put something away, and instead my glove box makes a weird sound and doesn't open. So it's like, well, that's not good. So then I had to get out of the car again flag down the service advisor again and say, hey, my glove box isn't opening. So again, to their credit, they took it right back uh, and, and addressed it and got it taken care of. And, uh, and they did get it back to me. So I ended up, I had to wait a total of about an hour between the 12-volt battery and the glove box. But they took care of it. So I'm, I'm very happy. But I couldn't, you know, I, I was in no hurry. It wasn't a big deal. Uh, I, you know, I did want the car back that day, ideally, but you know, I, I was happy to, to wait while they took care of it right there on the spot. So that was very good of them. And then I'll tell you, it turns out I was reading a Reddit thread uh, just yesterday or today, and it sounds like, I mean, granted, it's it's anecdotal evidence, right? But the glove box thing has happened, at least in that thread, had happened to a few other folks in that thread. So I wonder if that seems to be a common issue. And if you're wondering, well, wait, what the heck does that, does the glove box have to do with hardware three? It's uh, because the full self-driving computer, the, your, your autopilot computer, whichever version you have, 
it lives behind the glove box. So that's, that is where it's located. So the glove box has to come out for them to do uh, the upgrade. So uh, that explains why. So it's, it seems like maybe they haven't quite smoothed out the process for reinstalling the glove box after they have uh, done the computer. I'm not sure. Maybe it's just me and a few other folks from the Reddit thread just got unlucky and things happened. But again, they took care of it. I was happy. And uh, then I was finally on my way. And when I was, it was time to calibrate the autopilot sensors again, the cameras and sensors, so that hardware three would actually work. And my service advisor on the way out had said, hey, it could take up to 100 miles to calibrate. And I was like, really? Because on on the old hardware versions, it would, it was, uh, the guidance was like 40 to 50 miles. And in fact, in my own personal experience, I've had to calibrate, I had to calibrate my hardware 2.5 twice. Of course, there was delivery day that took about 30 to 35 miles. And then the same thing, about 30 to 35 miles. The second time I had to do it, which was when I had my windshield replaced. So, you know, he said up to 100 miles. And I'm like, okay, well, that's all right. Whatever. There's nothing I can do about it. So I start driving, and after <laughs> I had I had a, a a running trip meter up on the screen. You know, when you just swipe to the right on the uh, on the you know left side of the screen in, in a Model Three, and so I just ha- I could see how far I'd driven since I left the service center, and in about two and a half miles it had done about 60% of the calibration because there's that little steering wheel. You know, it's got the the progress bar there right on the screen so it, you know how close it is to being done. And uh, so I thought, well, that's that's interesting. And it ended up taking, and because I, I kept exact track, it took seven miles, seven miles to fully calibrate my hardware three and have autopilot be usable again. Uh and I'm wondering, is that a new world record? Because seven is just not even close. It's so much better than the 30 to 35 that it took me on the old computer. I, I would be curious if anybody else out there, whether, you know, re- regardless of whichever autopilot computer version you're on, how long, if, it t- if anybody did it anywhere close to in seven miles, if you were keeping track, but uh, not that it's a competition, it's, it's obviously not. I'm just sort of curious if, if I had some sort of weird anomaly or because I was driving, like it was mostly dense city driving with a lot of lines and signs and lights and all kinds of stuff. I don't know, but seven miles, I was very impressed by that. That was super cool. So that's my hardware three upgrade experience. A little funny, a little, a little uh, strange, but ultimately it went very well at the end of the whole thing. So here's hoping that everybody out there gets theirs very soon if, you're, if it's due to you. And hopefully it won't take you four and a half business days like it took me. Because I've read and heard from plenty of folks that they had it done in a day. Uh, so it, it definitely can be done quicker. And obviously you heard me talk about I had... I had a few other things done while I was in there as well. So it's not like it's not like I was just there for four and a half days just to do the autopilot computer. But anyway, that's that. Let's do pro tip of the week. This one's from Nathan in Tucson. Go ahead, Nathan. 
Hey Ryan, it's Nathan from Tucson. I got a quick pro tip for you. It's a little unusual, but I hope it helps some people. So for those of you who have garage door openers or like an opener for a gated community, uh, there's no need to stick it on your visor and dent up your visor using those brackets or anything like that. You can do what I did. Uh, so you can take some 3M command strips. They're usually used for hanging like uh, picture frames or whatever in your house. They leave no damage or anything like that. Anyway, you take those strips and you put it on the back of your garage door opener and you stick it to the underside of your Model 3 screen on the back. So you can't see it at all from the from the driver's seat or any of the occupant seats. It's hidden back there behind the screen. And when you need to get into your garage or your gated community, you know exactly where that button is because it's mounted back there. You can just reach back there and press it. No problems at all. Again, it will, will save from denting up visors or having garage door openers in your car uh, that you don't really want people to be able to see for security reasons and also just convenience. All right. Hope it helps. Take care. I like that one, Nathan. Thank you very much for that call. And by the way, if you've got a pro tip of the week, something that you have learned or discovered about your car that maybe isn't super obvious, maybe it's not covered in the owner's manual, which nobody reads anyway, uh, feel free to call in with it. And you can do so the exact same way that you send in your regular hotline calls to. So either of those two easy ways I told you about earlier in the podcast. All right. Uh, a few plugs before I go. First, for my Patreon. If you feel that I have earned your support, the best way you can support this podcast, yes, listening to it is obviously the best way because otherwise I'm just talking to a wall. And why that's... Uh, that's no fun. I like when I'm actually talking to people. So thank you for listening. But in all seriousness, a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of love and care does go into this podcast. So uh, if you feel the uh, the desire to support me, you can do so on Patreon, and I would greatly, greatly appreciate your support. You can learn more about that, the different tiers of support, the little perks and rewards you get at each tier. You can find all that on my Patreon page, which is found at patreon.com slash Podcast, and Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Meanwhile, abstractocean.com has got you covered with all your awesome Tesla accessory needs, lighting kits, been, been a big uh, focus for them, big success for them for a long time, really upgrading the, the uh, somewhat mediocre brightness of the internal LED lighting in the Teslas. These are a good bit brighter. You're probably going to love them if you if you feel like you want to give your car a little bit of an upgrade in the interior lighting department. So, check all that out and a lot more. You know, there's the there's the center console wrap kits, there's the tempered glass screen protectors, all that stuff abstractocean.com and use the coupon code RTLPODCAST at checkout to get 15% off of your very first order. Meanwhile, Immaculate Reflections, my friend Jeff over there, wonderful detailer, just a, a master craftsman at his uh, at his job. He is wonderful. He's also a great person. He will take excellent care of you and your Tesla and uh, whatever you want to do, whether it's just a nice, like, thorough clay bar wash and wax or whether you want to do some paint correction 
paint protection film, ceramic coating, whatever you want to do, Immaculate Reflections has got you taken care of. So learn more at the website, irdetailing.com. You can also look up Immaculate Reflections' work on their Yelp page, which is yelp.com slash Immaculate Reflections, and on Instagram, where Jeff's handle is Immaculate underscore Reflections. Meanwhile, puretesla.com slash RTL. That's the site to go to if you need a turnkey, just plug it in and go dash cam sentry mode solution. It is a nice pre-packaged, ready-to-go USB adapter kit with a micro SD card that is designed to take the constant reading and writing and reading and writing that sentry mode and the dash cam do. Uh, the kits work great. They are pre-formatted, ready to go, Mac or PC, and Pure Tesla ships anywhere worldwide, including free shipping anywhere in the U.S. So it's $49 for the 128 gig version. That's what I'm using. If you want to go a little bit bigger, in fact, twice as big, $69 will get you the 256 gigabyte kit. So again, that's puretesla.com slash RTL. And then finally, Jada has their excellent wireless charging pad for the Model 3. If you've got uh, a Qi-compatible uh, smartphone with, with a, you know, Qi wireless charging, fits beautifully, nice and flush in your car, looks, looks factory original, which is a big thing for me, uh, works great as well. The phone, you can use the phone even in landscape mode, so if you're a Waze user, It'll still charge on the pad while uh, in the in the uh, landscape mode there. So, uh, if you want to grab that and or the USB hub that fits nice and flush and looks great in the uh, the forwardmost portion of the center console cubby there, so you can get both of those from Jada. Please use my referral link if you do decide to order. I would greatly appreciate it. The link is getjada.com slash R-E-F slash 8. And that's Jada spelled J-E-D-A. If you don't already subscribe to the podcast, you can do so for free because what that subscription does is it pushes the show to you automatically each week when there is a new episode, which is, of course, every Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific. Subscribe on pretty much all of the major podcast services, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. I'm on TuneIn, which is in your Tesla. So yes, you can find the, the podcast in your Tesla. I would say do a voice search for Ryan McCaffrey podcast. That's going to be the easiest way to find it. And then uh, if you like, I'm also on YouTube, but it's just the audio. There's no video there. Uh, but if you do prefer to listen via YouTube, you can subscribe over there and uh, listen on YouTube as well. Just search Ride the Lightning Tesla podcast on YouTube and you will find my channel no problem on there. Follow me on Twitter if you're interested. I'm at DMC underscore Ryan. I'm also on Instagram with the same handle, DMC underscore Ryan. And that will about wrap it up. Let me just say a big thank you to the Patreon producers. These are the wonderful folks supporting me at the producer tier, which means 
They get their name shouted out at the end of each episode. They get the Patreon-exclusive monthly bonus episode each month. They get early access to each week's episode, etc. So I want to say hi first to my newest Patreon producer, uh, Ish. Welcome. Thank you so much. And then uh, a continuing thank yous to Pete White, Wolfgang Obergen, George Cassiopo, David Brander, Jonathan Wales, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Michael Lester, Robert Maracle, Jason Chalukas, Joe Edgel, Tim Hyde, Lars Hoffman, Lawton from Chicago, Peter Chalet, Rome Strack, David Vakil, Ulrich Lassa, Luke A., Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Jerry and Mary Smith, Brian Hope, Bill Royko, Lyle Austin, Joel Sapp, Dory and Steve Guberman, Michael Waddle, Daniel Grummer, Jeremy, Tesla Owners Taiwan, Jeremy Harris, Rob Brewer, Ron Lee, Chris Kanesnik, John Cody, Matthew Wright, Aaron Appleby, Charlie Gillespie, Kaz Barnes, Neil Weaver, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peak, Scott Gillis, Will Stedman, Evie Tricity UK, Stig Mickey Jensen, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, Richard Folkers, Matt Kalin, Trenton from Myrtle Beach, Lisa Kaz, The Lydia Family, Michael Regal, and Mark Eversoll. Thank you all so very much for your continued support. It really all makes a difference, every last bit of it, and I thank you all very, very much. Whether you're in the producer tier or any of the, uh, any Patreon support at all, it all makes a huge difference. Thank you all so much. And uh, with that, I am going to probably crawl back to the couch for a little while because uh, even though I, I am upright today, which is a difference from the last two days, I barely crawled to the doctor yesterday. That was that was not fun. Uh, but yeah, thankfully I've recovered enough in time to get the podcast done this week. But here's hoping, fingers crossed, that on next week's show, I'll finally be able to say, I feel great. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, in the meantime, I hope you all have a wonderful week. Happy electric motoring. And I will see you all next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.